I want to preach on remembering. Remembering as a way of moving forward into the future. And I want to use a couple passages to do it. The first comes from Numbers 11. There's a right way to remember and there's a wrong way to remember. And the wrong way is this way. I love this passage. It says, The rabble among the Israelites had a strong craving. And the Israelites also wept. They started crying again and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we used to eat in Egypt for nothing. Man, they gave us fish for free. And cucumbers. And someone else added, and melons. And someone else said, and leeks and onions. And someone else said, yeah, and garlic. Our breath smelled the high heaven, but it sure tasted good. But now our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Now Moses, I love this, Moses is my kind of a leader. Uh, Moses heard the people weeping throughout the, their families, all of the, at the entrances of their tents. Remember the manna was sent from heaven, it was a supernatural thing. And here they are crying over this. Then the Lord became very angry and Moses was displeased. So you got an angry God, a, a uh, displeased leader, and everyone's crying. This isn't, these aren't happy campers at this point. Moses later on in this passage, I, I just love this. He, he, he says to the Lord, Lord, why do you do this to me? You know, why me, Lord? These aren't my people. I didn't take them out of Egypt. This was your idea, but you put the burden on me. And then the next verse he says, kill me now. <laughs> End it, I'm done. Please take me home. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Ah, he should write a book on leadership. Take me home now. All right, I don't know why it just encourages me to see someone else being more miserable than me. It's like, all right, there you go. Sometimes you get like that. Then here's the right way to remember, Deuteronomy. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. You want to think about Egypt? Forget the fish. You were slaves. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. That's what you should remember. And Joshua, it says, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, Here's the promise. The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest, and he will gi give you this land. Remember that. You want to remember something? Remember the promise. Remember how God's been faithful to the promise. And then when they went through uh, the Jordan, God parted the sea, and they went through it. Uh, God told them to take 12 stones, representing each of the 12 tribes of Israel that passed on that dry bridge, and make a memorial out of it. Remember this, he says. Those 12 stones which they had taken out of Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal, saying to the Israelites, When your children ask their parents in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let the children know, Israel crossed over the Jordan here on dry ground. What the Lord is saying is, you mark this in your memory and pass it on to your kids. Build a memorial, a testament for your kids, so that they will remember the faithfulness of God. That's what you need to remember. Let me uh, start this message by just being a little bit autobiographical here. Uh, do you ever get like stages in your life where you just feel like everything but everything is in a whirlwind? Nothing is settled. It's always changing. There's like no place to put your feet and stay still. I'm in one of those periods now. Uh, it just feels like that to me. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that I you know, couldn't find my underwear this morning because my bags are all packed because we just moved. Uh, where are my underwear? Don't worry, I found them. But uh, uh, <laughs> just in case one of you were worried there. But uh, 
We moved two days ago. I, I mentioned this, how the Lord, I, I believe on, you know, submitting everything to the Lord and, and kind of just letting him be, be, be intentional about where you live. And it's a strategy, and the Lord just was calling us uh, to move to a different location. And um, I'm, we're now city folk. I love it. Uh, God's been, yeah, the, the, the other city folks are saying, yeah, you know, it's just something God did with us. And it feels right. It feels good. You know, the whole process of moving, however, is, is, is they say it's the third highest uh, stress-making thing in your life. And I'm here to testify that that's true. Man, so much to do and moving and, and you know, all of that. Uh, it feels right. It, it's the right thing to do. It feels, it, it's that peace that when you know that you're doing the right thing. But on another level, it's very stress-creating. Plus, it, it creates all sorts of weird emotions. Like uh, the week before we're, we're leaving, all of a sudden, I start falling in love with the pond in our backyard and the way the frogs croak and the birds chirp and, and the, the, the ducks quack. You know, it's like, oh, I'm not going to hear that anymore. It used to bug me and wake me up in the morning. Now all of a sudden, I'm, it's the fondest thing in the world and I got to leave it. It's like, man, this is going to be hard. And there's all sorts of memories that go along with this. It's, it's about letting go. It's, it's hard sometimes. The field next to our house where my son and I used to catch fireflies. I preached a sermon on that one time. It, it's a magical field. It was for us when he was a kid. And we caught all these fireflies. And we called it Firefly Valley. And, and now it marks a change in life that we're moving on. And we're letting that go. In our backyard, I can just, the other day looking out there, I could, oh, I could just see in my mind's eye the memories of playing volleyball with the kids and soccer with the kids. And, and all those, those, I'll ha- always have those memories, but there's a change in life. It's a stage change we're moving on. And, and it's hard. It, it creates all sorts of weird emotions. You know what I'm talking about? It's about change. It's always changing, and sometimes it's hard. And then I'm turning 46 tomorrow. <laughs> I can't hear you. Eh, speak up. I don't feel 46. I don't think 46. And I sure know I don't look 46. But I'm 46. You know, that's another little benchmark that you'd rather avoid. It's like, uh, you know, life keeps marching. Are these birthdays going to keep on coming relentlessly from here on? It's like, you know, can't they slow down? And there's little things that remind you that you're 46. I, my, wife, my, my, my daughter and I are training for a marathon, and I've done marathons before, but, but uh, the training for them isn't getting easier. And you find aches and, place, aches and pains in places you didn't think there were any muscles, you know, and the joints are creaking and popping and, and all sorts of weird stuff. I, I, I guess I am 46. And that, it's about change. The body's changing. It's, it's actually technically decomposing on you, and, and, and there's nothing you can do about it. It, 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 my daughters are growing up. That's a change. They, they got guys hanging around all the time, and there's love in their eyes, and love in the eyes of the guys towards them, and, 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 and they're talking marriage, and, and it's like, these are my girls. This is Snorky and Goose, and no one can have them. They're mine. <laughs> Snorky and Goose, that's their nicknames. Right now they're in their service, probably humiliated. But, but it's like, you know, there's a letting go process, and it's got to happen, and there's a beauty to it, and yet there's, a, there's a, a sentimental, nostalgic kind of sadness to the whole thing. Life moves on. It's a river. It's a river. It, it, it's not a brick. And then my, it's been a tough week. I found this week my dog's dying. My little dog, Winnie, is dying. It's an old dog, you know, but we went out for a walk the other night, our last walk around the block, you know, and uh, we always would take walks, and, and so we, this is our, our coup de grace. We took Winnie with us. And as we're walking on the block, Winnie used to run and pull us on the leash and wrap around us, and we'd get mad at it, and, and, and you know, we'd let it go in the park, and it would just run, 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 run. 
But on this night, our last walker on the block, Winnie is way behind us, trying to keep up, just kind of limping along. And we get to the park, and instead of running around <laughs> like that, she lays down. She can't even. We had to carry her home. <laughs> I know. I'm a sentimental guy, but, but it's, there's a sadness to this. The dog's changing. I now believe in dog heaven. It's official. Dogs go to heaven. God will forgive all the doo-doos she ever did on a rug, and that dog's going to heaven. I want her in heaven with me. I love this dog, but it's about changes. Life is a river. It's not a brick. It never stays stationary. It just moves on. And I'm not totally settled yet with my dad being gone. I'm moving to this house, and my first thought is, oh, I wish my dad could see this. You know, my dad's not around anymore. It's about changes. It's, it's constantly changing. I'm not totally settled in the idea that I'm not a professor anymore. I, I, I let that go last year, but I always saw myself as that, and that's another change. And it's just one thing after another. My theology is changing. Last year I got that love revelation, and, and it's totally restructuring everything. everything. Things that used to seem important don't seem important at all to me now, and things that used to seem unimportant seem magnificently important now. So even the theology is unsettled. Do you ever feel like sometimes it's just a whirlwind? It's just changing on you. It's like, whoa, it goes faster and faster and faster. Maybe you, you just got a job. Some of you just got a job, and that's a whirlwind. And others, you just lost your job, and that's a whirlwind. Some of you just brought kids into the world, and, and that's a new thing. And some of you are saying goodbye to the kids as they're growing up, and, and that's a new thing. And some of you just got married, and that's a very new thing, and you're trying to figure out that funkiness. And others, you are just getting out of a marriage, and that's even more funky. It, it, there's constant change. You don't know what the future holds. Now, here's the thing. Life is a river. It's not a brick. It moves. It doesn't stay the same. That's, that's its nature. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing, though it can feel like a very painful thing. The question is, how do you handle the change? How do you negotiate the change? And what I want to submit to you is this. How effective you are at this largely depends on what you remember and what you don't remember. What do you remember and what don't you remember? And how do you remember it? What is your relationship to the past that will largely determine your relationship to the future? Whether you deal with change productively or unproductively. There's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. Here's the wrong way. It was the way the Israelites did in Numbers chapter 11. They didn't like their present, and they were afraid of their future. They were getting sick of the manna, and they were afraid of the giants in the land. And when you're, when you're miserable in the present, and you're afraid of the future, you will look back to the past. And when you look back to the past, you'll grab the past, you'll remember the past, but your memory will be jaded because now you'll start to idealize the past. It will become sort of the grand old glory days. And you'll start saying, do you remember when a lot more? And living back in those glory days. The Israelites came out of Egypt. Here they are. They're getting sick of the manna. They're afraid of the future. And all of a sudden, that Egypt starts looking really good. Egypt, and, and somebody starts saying, yeah, remember, instead of manna, we had fish back there. Yeah, and we got it for free. Of course, they forget that they didn't have any money to buy it with in the first place, but yeah, we, we, you know, they made it sound like the Egyptians were doing them a favor. We used to get fish for free, and, and cucumbers, and melons, and garlic, and onion, and we had all these spices, you know. We were living in a five-star hotel, do you remember that? And the Egyptians were waiting on us, and they brought us those cool drinks with the umbrellas sticking out, and we got manicures all the time, and massages. I love the massages they gave back in Egypt. Oh, those were the days, my friend. I thought they'd never, and we'd sing and dance forever and a day, you know. 
And you can just see Moses cringing. You know, he was displeased, and the Lord's getting pretty ticked off, too. And they want to smash their heads together to say, you guys, you're, you're idiots. You were slaves. It wasn't the grand old days. It wasn't glorious. You were getting, remember the whips. That's what you should remember. Remember the 16-hour days without pay, where you were just working, lifting those bricks up to build those giant pyramids to honor Pharaoh. That's what you need to remember. And it wasn't just all fish and garlic and all good spices and stuff, man. Yeah, some days you didn't eat at all. And it was, it was way worse than this manna. Remember that. Remember you had no dignity. You had no rights. You were slaves. You were dehumanized. But see, when you're miserable in the present and you're afraid of the future... You idealize the past, the grand old glory days. And when we try to hang on to the past, you see, it's familiar to us. It's, we're, they're used to that. You, know? you, you can do the past without risk. The future always involves risk, and we're afraid of that. And so we, we start longing for the familiar and idealizing the familiar, and it becomes a cage. It becomes something that, that's bondage to us. It's kind of like my rabbit. My rabbit, I, I wanted to... We have five rabbits, and I wanted to let them go before we moved into the city because they're not really, you know, your city animals. You know, it's like no one has rabbits, I don't think, in the city. They have Doberman pinchers <laughs> that eat rabbits. Uh, but, but you don't have, you know, you're not going to, like, protect your house with a bunny. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, there's a little bunny beast. I'll get you. <laughs> Search of the Holy Grail. Remember that? Okay, never mind. Oh, it's got a frog. It's got those healers. Well... So I want to let the bunnies go, and I'm trying to talk to my son, saying, Nathan, we got to let the bunnies go. You know, bunnies, they want to be free. I even sang the song, born free, free as the wind blows, free as the grass grows. These bunnies were supposed to be born free, and, and, and they want to, you know, the male bunnies want female bunnies, and the female bunnies want male bunnies, and we were not letting them do that because we don't want any more bunnies, and so we should let them go and see how happy they'll be and, and, and running free and all of that. And Nathan wasn't buying this for a second. No way. No, they, they love us. They want to stay here. So I decided one of the bunnies was mine since I picked it out, and I I said, okay, this is my bunny, and I want to let it go free. And I'm hoping that he'll see how happy the bunny is as it's frolicking through the fields, and then he'll be inspired to let his bunnies go. We got woods all around us, and the bunnies really would love it. They're safe. They're really, you know, they're... Okay, anyways, that's what I was telling him. And so uh, I let my bunny go, and we have a little ceremony. Goodbye, Smokey. Oh, run off. Go in the wilderness. And at first the bunny's a little tentative, but then it starts running around and, and jumping and kicking like, an, you know, it's like I get to get out of this two-by-two, two, you know, uh, cage, which is usually filled with a lot of little these pellets because we don't clean it enough. That's one of the reasons why I want to let it go. And bunnies are cute, but they stink to high heaven. So this bunny gets out in the fresh air in the open field in this big backyard with the woods, and there's female bunnies out there, and we say, go get them, Smokey. And so Smokey's running around. And so, I, I, you know, Nathan still's not buying this, but, the, 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 you know, the bunny goes off into the woods, and I think, oh, this is great. Go back in the house, come out a half hour later to do some yard work, and that idiot, stupid bunny <laughs> found its way back into our garage and went back into its cage. <laughs> Don't encourage it. <laughs> You're supposed to go, boo. It, this is not, the score is Nathan one, dad zero, okay? Uh, and the bunny's all pooped out and whatever. You can just tell this bunny had attitude now. It's like, give me that carrot. You know, I, I like it in here. Now, what would keep a bunny? It's like, Smokey, the world is yours. The backyard's yours. There's female bunnies out there. You can you know, eat the leaves. Go, go do it, you know? But this bunny's like, you know, then I got to deal with the predators out there and I got to, you know, get my own food. And here you, you know, you just give me, it's predictable. You give me a carrot a day. I got that stick down. And I'm used to this two by two poop filled cage. And, and <laughs> you see, it sticks to the familiar. 
And you and I know that it would be a whole lot better for this bunny to be you know, doing what it was created to do, running and jumping and, and, and mating and all those other kind of fun things that bunnies do. But this bunny chooses this because this is what it's used to. And we do the same thing sometimes, don't we? You see, we hang on to the past. We idealize the past because it's familiar and it's safe. And it's not just like the grotesque sin stuff I'm talking about. Like, oh yeah, we know those poop-filled cages. It's our, our past debauchery and licentiousness and, and thievery and all those you know, kind of things. I know, you know what? Anytime we stop growing, it becomes a cage. Anytime we don't move along with, with the program, flow with the river, move into the future with fearlessness, our, our past, even if it was good, becomes a cage for us. So I meet this uh, young lady at uh, class reunion, and, and she was in high school, the, 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 you know, the bombshell. She was, she was the flirty, cute, shapely, sexy, uh, homecoming queen, cheerleading, you know, every guy wanted to date her kind of a person. And 17, and man, the, the, the gimmick worked for her, man. It was just, it, she was outstanding. But now we're here at this class reunion, and she's 42 years old, and she's been through two marriages, and she's still, two marriages, and she's still trying to do the 17-year-old cutesy, flirty, sexy, shapely kind of a thing. And it doesn't work as well. I mean, you can be sexy and, and cute and shapely and pretty and being in shape when you're 42, but it's going to look different than when you were 17. And when you keep trying to do the 17-year-old gimmick, there's something sad about it. And you're going to go through another three marriages if you don't learn how to grow up a little bit, get unstuck, get a new program, get a new groove going, do something. Uh, flow with the river. You see, what worked in the past may have worked. It's understandable when you're in high school, but, but, but it becomes a cage when you live in it. And so it is a lot with our identities. We, we think the way we have been is the way we've always got to be. And the way we have felt is the way we always have to feel, and the way that, that we have acted is the way we always have to act. But you see, life is about change. It's about growing up. It's about moving into the future. And when we stop doing that, we start living in the glory days and start trying to relive the glory days. But the glory days, thank God, maybe they were nice but you know what? There's no going back to the good. There's only moving f- forward to the future, which is the better. Amen. Those are the options here. You can't recover that. Some people get stuck in the idea that, that uh, you know, uh, I, I, the, 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 the super jock athletic guy who's always trying to, you know, do the athletic thing. 25 years later with a pop belly, he's still trying to be this athletic guy or, 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 or Mr. Successful or, or Mrs. Religious or I'm always right or, or I'm always the victim. And we get into these identity roles and we stick with them. And they become cages. They become poop-filled two-by-two ch- cages. When God is saying, get on stuck, get out, uh, you know, I, I, got, I got a backyard for you that I want you to run in, I want you to jump in, it's what I created you for. But to get there, you got to get out of the cage. You got to let go of that and move in to the path, move into the backyard. Amen. And face those predators, but you can do it. When we, when we, when we don't move, we get stagnant. We get stagnant. Marriages. You know, sometimes you get into a habit. And there are good habits and bad habits, but, but you get into a routine that works well for you. You got a good marriage two years into it. But when you're 20 years married, that two-year routine may be just, it's now stagnating you. It's become a two-by-two poop-filled cage that's now actually hindering you. And you find yourself looking back at the times when you were happily married. And the trouble is to see that you as a person continued to grow and your spouse continued to grow, but your marriage didn't grow with it. And what you need to do is to ask the question, what's the backyard look like for us? Just because we've always done it this way doesn't mean we have to do it this way. Maybe there's, there's a different way of doing our relationship that will uh, pour some life into this. 
Uh, Let's start being creative. Let's start praying about this. Maybe that's a new thing you got to start doing is uh, what would happen if we prayed together? What would happen if we took walks together? Maybe we need to go to Maui. Maybe we need to all the wives just kind of nudge their husbands around. You know, take that second honeymoon. Go to Disney World. Get into a bowling league or get out of the bowling league or, or, you know, to take up dancing together or, you know, start pouring some light. But it's about exploring the backyard. Sniff the flowers. Try out some of those daisies. They taste pretty good. Start, Start stretching your legs a little bit. Use your creativity. Let God guide you. Pour some newness, some novelty, some life into this marriage or into that identity or into your job or whatever it is that's stagnating you. Get out of the two-by-two poop-filled cage. God's got a backyard for you. It's about moving in the future. It's about moving in the future. Sometimes with us, we get stagnant in our, in our spiritual growth because we keep doing the same thing over and over again. And what we're doing over and over again isn't bad. It's just not keeping up with growth. It's about keeping up with the river that's always flowing. So we always need to be asking, Lord, is there a new way I should pray? Lord, is there there a, a seminar I should take, a retreat I should go on, or what have you? But it's about change. Embrace that as a positive thing. It's about growth. It's not a negative thing. Sometimes it's scary, but it's a necessary thing to face if you're going to keep on growing. Sometimes people live in disappointment because they had their dream, what they were going to be, the family that they were going to have, the achievements that they were going to achieve, and it didn't turn out that way. And in life, a lot of times it doesn't. And now they live in the glory days, Bruce Springsteen's glory days. You know, those glory days will pass you by, those glory days with the wink of a young girl's eye. Before the accident, before the divorce, before the whatever, those were the glory days. But you know what? Those glory days weren't all that glorious there were problems back then too. You're just not remembering, re- remembering them. But the other question is this. How long are you going to let that event, that failure perhaps, the wrong that was done to you perhaps, the thing that didn't pan out, the job that you should have got, the person that, that shouldn't have left you, how long are you going to let them cage you and keep you from exploring the backyard? Life sometimes is sad, sometimes it's tragic, but if you lock in on the blame mode, you refuse to move into the future and you start living in the past. I'm sorry that you lost that ideal job, but don't let it be a cage to explore the backyard. And I'm sorry that the marriage didn't turn out the way you wanted the marriage to turn out, and I'm sorry about the accident that happened to you, and I'm sorry about the friend that betrayed you and the church that, 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 that burned you. But don't let it be a cage that keeps you from growing. It's time to let it go. It's time to forgive it. It's time to move on. God is not the God of the past. He's the God of the present who's moving into the future. Move with him. Move with him. Grow with him. Be empowered with him. Amen. It's about grabbing hold of that backyard. The wrong way to remember is living in the past with a nice, safe, secure predictability. The right way to remember, and this is also found in the passages we read this morning, the right way is to remember what God has done. Remember the promises of God. Remember who you are because of the promises of God. And remember how God has honored those promises in the past. When we take those for granted and forget them, then we're much more inclined to be uh, pessimistic with regard to the future and therefore live in the past in a wrong way. Remember what God has done. Think about it. Make a memorial out of it. Write it down if you have to. Tell your children about it. Things that God has done at different points in your life or different points in the lives of people that you know. And knowing, seeing, experiencing how God has been faithful in the past gives us confidence that God will be faithful in the future. I think back at a time when my wife and I were just dirt poor, dirt poor, no money. I was going to school, she was working, and, and we had no money. There were days where we didn't know how we were going to get money to eat. 
And, and I, we had to do what we had to do to get money. I don't believe in sitting around saying, God, send us money from heaven. I, you know, there were days I had to take off of work and go and, and, and you know, work with rocks and picking rocks, you know, just to earn some money to put some food on the table. That's called responsibility. Still, I look back on that, and God was faithful to us. God provided. We sometimes didn't know how we're going to make ends meet, but we made ends meet. I, we didn't starve to death. I'm here preaching to you. We made it through that. God is faithful. There are times where people would come up and they just said, you know what, God, God put you in my heart and here's a little envelope. And that's how we would eat that week. You know, uh, God, God was, was taking care of us. And even when I look back on those times, now I know that even if the worst case scenario happened, if I lost my job and I lost the possessions and I couldn't make any money and we were dirt poor and we had no money at all, we were, we were just back to where we were, we made it through it back then, we'd make it through it again now. God is faithful. God is faithful. I, you have nothing to fear. God is faithful. There was a time when the first church job I got, you know, it was a, it was one of these, it was a bona fide ministry where the, the pastors wore suits, you know, and so I, I had to wear a suit. I only had one suit. It was a seven dollar suit I got from Goodwill, and and it looked like it too. And but that's what I always wore. And at some point, someone came up, this wealthy stockbroker, and said, "You know, I put on a lot of weight the last couple of years. You can probably tell." And I got a whole wardrobe of suits that no longer fit me. Do you want them? And I went, "Yeah." <laughs> And these suits were suits. I mean, th- th- these were these good suits. The, the, the nice fabric, you know, you can feel them all the time. Like, oh, he's loved. It, it, it feels really good. They're kind of shiny and, and you know, oh, they're, they're, they're like name brand suits. I don't know any name brand suits, but they, they were, I'm told that these are really impressive names to have on the back tag, okay? So, I, I, you know, here I was. I, was. I had new suits. None of them fit me. I mean, I was wearing a tent. You know, they're like, like wearing, but hey, you know, at least I had suits. God took care of me. God was faithful. And so it is with all of us. You need, need to think back on the times where, where you felt abandoned, but God was there. You didn't know how you are going to make resources uh, and meet, how you are going to make ends meet, but God was there. And there are times maybe in your life where you thought it was all coming to an end. Uh, the, you got in a car wreck, and the husband left you, wife left you, friends left you, whatever. But you know what? You're still here. You're still breathing. God's been faithful. Throughout the trials, God's been there. Through the hard times, God's been there. When you hit the wall, God was there. When you, when you, when you got the bad news, God was there. And you're still here. You're still breathing. God is faithful. It doesn't mean that everything's going according to a wonderful, perfect, rosy plan. That everything, you know, is just uh, God's doing. I don't believe that. There are setbacks. There are problems. There are struggles. But God is always faithful. It took the children of Israel 40 years to get in the promised land, which wasn't part of God's original plan, but they were rebellious. But you know what? They got into the promised land. God is faithful. The timing may fluctuate, but God is faithful. They had a lot of battles to fight. Sometimes they had some setbacks. They, they didn't, they didn't get in that, overcome the promised land in a second. But you know what? They were ultimately victorious. God is faithful. Pharaoh put up some resistance when they were getting out of Egypt, and God had to do some tough, some tough miracles, but God is faithful. They got out of the promised land. And so it is in our life. Things may not go all as planned. It may not be all glorious. There's no picnic sometimes, and sometimes it's an absolute whirlwind. But remember the times. Mark it in stone. Make a memorial out of it. Notch it down. Tell it to your kids. God is faithful all the time. All the time, God is faithful. He's been there. As a church, God has been faithful to us. Amen. God has been faithful to us. He's been so faithful to us. He's been there. Uh, you know, there have been times in this ministry I can think back, I can remember, when we were kind of in our own little Egypt. 
You know, I remember when we first started this church, we, we, we survived offering to offering. And if there was enough in the offerings, people got paid. If not, people didn't get paid. So the first thing we did after every service was we counted the offering. <laughs> okay. Is there stuff for this week? You know, and it, but you know what? God was faithful. We, we got through that. We got through that. There have been times where there, we had controversy, you know, anytime in the church. The business world, you know, you let people go all the time. In the church world, you let somebody go, and it's like, oh, controversy, and there's all sorts of stuff. And, and you know, th- there were tough times sometimes, and, but God was faithful. We, we got through it. We're still here. There were times in the beginnings of Woodland Hills Church where I thought I would drive home after each service, I kid you not, and I would be grieving and now I, I'm almost always just, you know, happy and kind of like in this little mellow spiritual, oh, I like so, you know. But back in those days, it was like, the worship was so bad. <laughs> and I'm not just talking musically, you know. We, we did our best. You know, a few of you remember those days. I was a drummer. That was, should tell you something. And, uh, um, I, you know, it was, it, it, but, but it wasn't just that. It was that the place was so incredibly Baptist. Uh, it was, it reeked with, you know, God bless us Baptists. But, but I mean, it was, it was stiff. It was, it was like, you know, a revival was when somebody actually kind of raised a hand like this. Woo, the Spirit's moving. And I remember like, you know, a couple times people actually clapped after a song, like, praise your Lord. And it's like, whoa, you know. But then other people would get like really nervous, like, oh no, we're going to get charismatic or whatever. And you had the old kind of Baptist charismatic thing where they you know, would raise their pinkies. And please don't be offended, Baptists. We offend everybody, so just fit in. Uh, you know, people... <laughs> Hey, I'm Baptist, right? Sort of, kind of. No one believes me when I say that. But, you know, it's like, oh, we love you. <laughs> you know, the, the, we do the thing. You know, and, and, and it was like, Lord, loosen us up. You know, get, get us going a little bit here. And, and, you know, we aren't all the way that, that, that where we're going to be, but we're a lot farther along the road than we were back then. You know, and, and, and there's a lot more freedom, and, and, and we're growing in that area, and you praise God for that, you know. But there are times where it's just like, but you know, God was faithful. He just kept on moving us, gently pushing us, gently growing us, and, and we're going in the right direction. There are times where it's just so frustrating, but God was faithful. You, all along, I look back at the, at the walls we hit and the problems that we confronted, but God's always been faithful. And there are times where I thought for sure we're going to just be a permanent nomad congregation. You know, it's just going to go one high school to the other because we had so many close calls, things that seemed so of God. Almost got the Phelan Center for a dollar. Ooh, almost got the Orpheum downtown St. Paul for a dollar. You know, and, and so many things were, were like, oh, this, looks, this is God, this is God, you know. And, and then it turns out it falls flat. And it's like, oh, man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. You hit a brick wall, but you know what? God's bigger than the brick wall. God is faithful. And at at some time or other, one way or another, he's so resourceful. He found us this place. We got in this place. Didn't know how we were going to raise $4 million. He found a way. He found a way. We needed Kmart to pitch in half of it. Is that asking too much? Kmart owned the building. You know, we thought, okay, tell you what, buy out the lease for $2 million. And there was a guy in Kmart who was just resisting us all the way. No, you're not going to get more than $100,000 out of us, you know. And, and we're saying, well, we, we got to get this. And so, but he was just bucking us all the way. So we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And he disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Christian mafia. Yeah, he... We made him go away. He went bye-bye. <laughs> I'm believing that he got blessed and promoted, all right? All I know is all of a sudden he wasn't there one day, and the guy who was there was this Christian guy who comes from this area who knew about the church, believed in this church. Next day he gives us, he writes us a letter saying, you know what? You got the, all the money you asked him for. It's yours. God is faithful. He finds a way. He's very resourceful. He's 
extremely creative. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He finds a way to make it happen. And over and over and over again, in our life individually and as a church, God has been faithful and he needs to be praised. Now we're moving into a big backyard here. We're moving into a big backyard. uh, Full of change, full of challenges, full of brick walls, full of valleys. We need to remember the faithfulness of God. Here's where we're at. I'm going to announce this and then we're going to celebrate. Uh, we're going to worship the Lord. We, uh, we, we uh, two months ago, launched this, this campaign trying to get everyone on, on board with this vision about what God's doing. The goal is to re- reach $9.2 million. That's what it will cost to accomplish all the things that God has, has, has uh, called us to accomplish. N- none of us really expected to get the whole $9.2 million up front. It would have been great if I could say, well, we got the whole thing. Uh, it doesn't always happen that way. Um, we didn't really expect that. I was kind of in my little secret chamber. My heart was, was saying, Lord, you know, can you get us halfway over this bridge? And then we got three years to get the, over the, the other half. Well, we almost made it halfway. Uh, we, we, as of this morning, uh, are, have, have $3.75 million pledged. And that's something to praise God for. Amen. Amen. No, I, I, I want to be honest. I, I was initially a little discouraged by that. It's like, ah. But God has helped me do a reframe on this. And the reframe is basically what I'm preaching you here this morning. He says, Greg, remember. Remember who I am. Remember I've been faithful in the past. And, uh, you know, it, it may not be the three years that you stipulated, just like it wasn't the halfway point that you stipulated, but I don't work by your stipulations. Uh, you know, it may take four years. It may take four years, but you know what? That, that you're going to get in the promised land. I, I have confirmed that word for you. And I am very encouraged, actually, by this. As people already, the initial report I got on Wednesday was 3.5, and in the, since Wednesday, we've collected another quarter million dollars in pledges. So pledges are still coming in. Uh, amen. Uh, there's a lot of people who just uh, aren't yet caught with this vision yet, and that's, that's fine. But I'm believing God's going to be working in people's hearts, and more people will be getting on board with the vision. New people will be coming in. We'll be reminding people about this vision once in a while. Every time we accomplish a segment of it, we're going to you know, advertise it. That will, that will uh, build in vision. And I, I'm believing that this thing's just going to grow, and we're, we're going to accomplish all that God has laid on our hearts. But the Lord told me to celebrate what has already been done. Remember the faithfulness of God. In terms of what we've already raised, the $3.75 million, here's what we can do. We already have enough to build phase one of the youth center. That means some young people are going to be ministered to who wouldn't otherwise be ministered to. I want to praise God for that. Uh, We already have enough to build, amen, enough to build the kitchen uh, for St. Paul City Church. Some homeless people are going to get meals who otherwise wouldn't get meals. We need to praise God for that. Amen. We already have enough to, to help bridge with, uh, financially bridging with Antioch Christian Center and Iglesia Hispana Battelle and Living Word Church and River of Life Church. And, and so bridges are going to be built that otherwise wouldn't be built. We need to praise God for that. Yeah. Amen. Already that is done. River of Life Church is having this, uh, is building a computer tutoring program for ki- inner city kids after school to get them in, with, helping with schoolwork, get them off the street, get them off drugs. Kids are going to be ministered to who otherwise wouldn't be ministered to. We need to praise God for that. We've raised enough to honor our commitment to the sanctuary, Ephraim's church plan. That'll be happening in Minneapolis. Praise God for that. Thousands of people are going to be ministered to because of that. We need to thank God for that. We've already raised enough to start building the hospital, 30, the four-story, 30-room hospital church in Cambodia. Praise God. Amen. Praise God for that. That's a good thing. 
There will be, think about this, just think about this, incarnate this. There will be people who will be ministered to uh, medically with the love of Jesus who otherwise wouldn't be ministered to. There will be people who will stay alive because they got medical treatment from this clinic who otherwise would be dead. Mothers of children will live because of this. We need to praise God for that. He's been faithful. Already we have, can do that. And as, as the, uh, as the uh, Life Challenge worship team comes up here, I'll just mention one more thing. Uh, after all that is done, we've already raised enough to put a $2.9 million uh, dent in our debt. That's over half of the debt, well over half the debt. That's something to praise God about. Amen. And that already will free up interest, which can then be rolled back into the youth center, which will help build, uh, get us the rest of the way uh, over this bridge. Thank you for all. Uh, many people have sacrificed enormously. You know, we're told from the specialists to, who do this kind of thing that usually half of what you raise comes from major contributions, a quarter million, million, you know, that, that kind of range. Half of it will come from that. The other half will come from, from just people giving what they can give. We had all of that, people just giving what they could give. We didn't have any of those major, major that's just who we are, you know, at this, at this stage. It was all, everybody doing what they can do. But just, as we've said all along, listen to God, obey God, uh, uh, get the vision, and, and ask God, Lord, how would you use me to keep this thing going in this direction? So God's been faithful in the past, he's faithful in the present, he'll be faithful in the future, and we need to praise him. Let's do it, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Stand up. We at Life Challenge are so excited to get a chance to praise God with you guys. Let's thank him for all that he has done in this very body, in this very planning. And then let's look to the future of what God is going to do.